More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And you're listening to the best of More to Life. Today on More to Life, Disconnected. Are you struggling to connect with a loved one? We're going to help you get on the same page and bridge the gap. Give us a call at 877-573-7825. Everyone says they want to have a great marriage and family and personal life. Well, the theology of the body reveals how you can actually achieve it. More to life. The happiest couples know how to say I do to each other every moment of every day. Surprising. Relevant. Hopeful. Angela, let's not just settle for stopping your son's behavior. Exactly. Let's talk about the kind of young man you want to raise. Practical. Theology of the body-based answers for every part of your life. God's original blueprint didn't include depression and anxiety. Yeah, that's a human invention. God wants to set you free. Let's talk about making that happen. The life you were meant to live through the theology of the body. More to life. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And today on More to Life Disconnected. We are helping you connect with the loved ones in your life. Call up and share. Is there something coming between you and someone you care about? Are you perhaps struggling to see eye to eye about a particular issue? Or gain or give forgiveness for some past wrong? Maybe there are conflicts or disagreements that are making things tense. Whatever is causing you to feel disconnected from the people you care most about, let us help you break down the walls and build the communion you're looking for. The number to call, 877-573-7825. Again, that number is 877-573-7825. Well, you know, I think that we need to realize that the enemy wants us to feel disconnected. The, The enemy wants us to feel disconnected first and foremost, from God. You know, if we feel disconnected from God, we can go to the darkest places, the stupidest places. And I mean that where you just would never, if you were connected with God, choose certain pathways or certain arguments with people or certain stances that you're going to dig your heels in over, you know, where your husband left the socks. If we feel disconnected from God's grace, then he can disconnect us from everything else, get us kind of isolated on our own and have a lot more influence over our thinking, our soul, where we end up. So this is not just, oh, well, you know, I had a fight with this one or I don't feel as connected to my spouse or my kid than that I want to, you know, that I want to be. I want to be connected. It's just not quite there. But, you know, we're busy. It, it's not that. It's really about God wanting us to be connected to him and to each other so that we can really know who we are here, who we were created to be, and help each other and ourselves through good connection experience the communion of saints forever. This is more than about just feeling uncomfortable in a relationship. But if you are feeling uncomfortable with your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends, your siblings, and you just want to fix that one issue 
or that overall feeling or those issues that have piled up. Let's work together today to connect you with God's grace and heal those relationships, help you feel connected to those that God has placed in your life so that we can be more than conquerors in Christ, so that we can really feel that love of God in every area of our lives. 877-573-7825 is the number to call. Again, that's 877-573-7825. We're talking about creating connection on our show titled Disconnected, as we talk about how we can bridge those gaps between ourselves and the people we care most about. And, you know, something that I think is lost on a lot of Christians um, is that being a Christian is primarily a call to deepen our relationships and heal the damage that sin does to those relationships. And the fact that's our, the theology of the body tells us a lot about this topic in particular. It does. It reminds us that we were created specifically to be in strong, healthy, intimate relationships with others. As Christians, the most important thing we can spend our time and energy on is cultivating as much closeness as we can in all the relationships we participate in. Building the kingdom of God means doing everything that's in our power to heal the damage sin has done or is trying to do to our relationships. The more we cooperate with God's grace to build communion with others, the more we prepare ourselves to participate in our heavenly destiny, spending eternity in intimate union with God and, as I said, with the entire communion of saints. Now think about it. I mean, this is a, it's a little bit of a shift for a lot of us uh, who are listening, shift. because as Catholics especially, we think that being Christian is about going to church and receiving the sacraments. And of course it is. Right? But why do we go to church, and why do we receive the sacraments? Well, because God wants to give us the grace to heal the damage sin has done to our relationships with him and with each other. And we're meant to take that grace that we receive from the sacraments home with us to then go work on our relationships so we can create communion in this life so we can enjoy heavenly communion in the next and yes it's true that through no fault of our own there are some relationships that can't or won't be healed this side of heaven uh, but the more we focus our energy on at least attempting to cultivate as much closeness intimacy openness love as we can with the people in this life the more we're preparing ourselves to participate in the ultimate union of heaven in the next. As Christian disciples, there really is no more important work we can do than work on healing, strengthening, and deepening our relationships with the people that God has placed in our lives. You know, as, as you were mentioning earlier, Lisa, building the kingdom of God is not primarily about doing big things for Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's really about healing our relationships. And we do those big things for Jesus, like building schools and hospitals and social service networks and all that, so that we can heal the relationships. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. All of that, all of that history in the Catholic Church of building the schools and the hospitals and the orphanages and all these social services well, things, yeah, were all not about building great buildings. It was about... Or even doing social service per right. se. Right. It was about 
relationships one-on-one. And raising the dignity of the people in those relationships. Right. It was about building relationships with the people in a town, building relationships with the people, uh, you know, under a roof who needed loving care of a good Catholic person to another person so that could understand their dignity in Christ and then elevate the dignity of the next person and the next person and the next person. And And unfortunately, because all of that's become so institutionalized, we tend to think that building the kingdom of God is about creating institutions, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Or evangelizing groups. Let's start a women's group. Let's start a men's group. And those are all good and blessed things if we don't look at it as a project or the people in it as a project. But as people who need to know the love of God and our love as a representation of that. And when we have to deal with the everyday sinfulness of ourselves and other people, yeah, relationships can be hard. You know, all we have to do is be raised in a family. Even the best families, even the families that have it the closest to God and the most together are going to deal with their daily sinfulness and relationships are going to break down and need to be healed. And that's what we're talking about today. Where do you feel like a relationship is breaking down or broke down with a parent, a spouse, a child, a sibling, a friend, and you feel like something, something is touching your heart and saying, it needs to be fixed. It needs to have steps taken towards being fixed. And maybe you're listening today because the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do a little of that healing in that relationship so that you can get a little closer to God and help that other person or people get a little closer to God so God's grace can come in and begin to heal things even more. If that sounds like it's, you know, moving around in your mind and you're thinking, oh, is that me? Well, then it's time to pick up the phone and call 877-573-7825. That's 877-573-7825. Can't call you. You got to call us. And again, the number is eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Little inside joke there. It's a very inside <laughs> local joke. Yes. We are taking your calls today about healing those disconnections in your life between you and the people you care most about. So give us a call if there is something coming between you and someone you love, whether that's a conflict or disagreement that's making things tense, an issue that you're struggling to see eye to eye about, unforgiveness for past hurts that you're not sure how to get behind or beyond, we are here to help you break down those walls and create communion. 877-573-7825. Let's take our concerns to the Lord, and then we'll start taking your calls in the name of the the Father, Father, and the the Son, Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we come into your presence and we bring to you all the people that we love and care about, but are struggling to connect with. Your servant, St. John Paul, reminds us through his Theology of the Body that building your kingdom means working to cooperate with your grace to heal the damage that sin has done to our relationships. And so, Lord, we bring to you those hurts, those wounds, the unforgiveness, the disagreements, the discord that separates us from the people that you've placed in our lives. And we ask you to give us the courage, the grace, the patience, the compassion, the understanding, and the love that we need to bridge those gaps. Help us to know how to respond to those disconnects so that we can create the communion you created us to live in. 
We ask all of this through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and in the name of the Father, Father, and and the the Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Pope St. John Paul the Great. Pray for us. Today on More to Life, Disconnected. Are you struggling to connect with a loved one for whatever reason? We are help. We are here to help you bridge that gap, and maybe even get you on the same page. Eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Let's talk now with Sherry, who's listening to EWTN Radio in North Dakota. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to More to Life. Uh, thank you. Um, very glad to be on the show. Um, I I um, have a question about. Um, just went before we're done or whatever. I just want some advice on some books that you have out. Mm, okay. Is, uh, some of the things that I wanted. And uh, just mm-hmm. question, do you guys have any audio ones? Oh, we are working on that so hard, Sherry. We are yes. working with our For various reasons, Catholic publishers are a little behind the mark on, on turning out audio books. Yeah, we love our publishers, but they really need to get on that. But we do have tons of, of podcasts that you can listen to. But what's the subject that you need this okay. about? Yes. What's okay, going on I in your life that. today? Okay, what's going on in my life is um, from the previous past, um, my husband and I were probably not what you say perfect parents, and um, and that was 20 years ago, and our kids have grown, of course, and uh, now um, there's just been arguments between just mainly my one daughter, who I guess probably hasn't really forgiven us for the past, sort of, mm-hmm. and um, my husband. Oh, and, and oh, and I'm, I'm uh, sorry. I know it's so hard to revisit okay. things. It's, yeah, it's but okay. I can tell it's you're really your heart's breaking over this. Can you can you in, in just general so terms? Now, can you tell us what the what the nature of like what is your daughter's complaint against your husband exactly? Uh, oh, I don't I don't want to really get into all that, but um, let's see. I'll try and make this quick. My my son is a drug addict, and we have um, dealing with him. So we sort of got him straight. He attacked me. Now my daughters had this big thing is like, Dad, you need to change your life because um, he's following your footprints. Okay, and so, so your husband has, has some some substance issues problem? as well. My husband does not. Now he has changed his life. Okay. So now my, my one daughter especially is like, well, I don't really even want you to come to our granddaughter's graduation. I'm going. We had already bought the tickets. We're like, no, we're going to go. And then just like, we're just, we're going to just uh, try and heal this, you know, when we get there. But um, she really just doesn't want him there. So now I'm just going by myself with my parents. But What is it that your daughter wants from your husband that he hasn't done? Um. I, I, I don't know, you know, she doesn't want him to drink, and which um, I, I said, that's fine, you know, and my husband even said, fine, if you don't want me to drink at the house, and my husband um, drinks, okay, this is his drinking habit, he probably has two beers on the way home from work every day, um, we live out in the country, and um, on weekends, probably, I would say, maybe six to seven beers, and um, I, I, I don't think, I can live with that. But well, but see, that's yeah. I mean, it, it's not so much about what you can live with. It's about the, the you know, you, your your daughter is is trying to say, mom and dad, you know, there's unhealthy stuff in the house that led to my brother's addictions, and you guys aren't facing that head on. 
And it doesn't matter, you know, whether he drinks one beer or 100 beers or no beers. The, the reality is, you know, there's something called a dry drunk, okay? And that's somebody who has certain behaviors that, whether they're, whether they're actively out an alcoholic or not, um, make them more narcissistic, make them less empathetic, make, make them very charming but unreliable. Uh, your daughter's trying to point out that you guys are still dealing with that stuff. It's not about the number of drinks your husband has. It's about the dynamic that exists in your household. And you can't just show up at your granddaughter's graduation and expect to fix all this. You, you need to really listen, not just to the minimum that your daughter is asking you to do. You need to listen to the spirit of what your, your daughter is saying to you. That there are, are wounds here that you can't just say, oh, I'm sorry about, and I can live with this, but you have to get over it too. You, know, you, you guys, you know, you're, you're, you started out the call by saying you have you maybe weren't the best parents, and you know who is okay. That exactly. that's fine. But parenting's but, hard. But that's not the point either. The, the point is, what makes us a good parent is not that we're a perfect parent. It make what makes us good parents is that we're willing to listen to what our kids need from us and respond to those needs and those wounds and those hurts in as generous and as humble and as graceful a way as possible. And when we refuse to do that. We put a wedge between us and our kids, and you cannot force the relationship by just saying, I'm not going to deal with those things. You know, when I, when I ask you, what does your daughter still need to see from you and your husband in order to heal this wound, and you say, I don't know, that's a big problem. That means you're not willing to listen, right? And you're not displaying the humility and the compassion and the love and the grace that you need. We don't have to have done everything perfectly to be good parents, but we need to be humble enough to really hear what our kids need from us and what our kids are saying to us about the hurts that they've received intentionally or unintentionally from us. And respond in a way that brings healing to the situation. And, and she's saying to you, look, this is the dad that I lived with. He hasn't really changed. It's not a matter of how few beers he has. It's a matter of getting into a program that's going to help him to recover from the entire dependence, the entire way he handles stress and life and relationships. And this is something that she's saying very clearly he passed on to his son, who is now like going to be dealing with abuse issues, his entire life substance abuse issues, because even if he goes through a program and recovers, that is a lifelong battle. And she's saying she doesn't want to deal with the drama, she doesn't want to deal with the toxicity, and she doesn't want it to overshadow her child's graduation from school. And this is a turning point. Sometimes when we hit events in our lives, like graduations or weddings, it shines a lot of God's light and grace onto the situation and says, oh, this is what needs to be fixed. Just like if we have company coming over, we suddenly have to fix up the house and make it a little bit nicer, especially if it's, you know, big deal company, like the bishop's coming or something. <laughs> you know, suddenly you're, you're painting, you know, the edges of a window or making sure things are deep cleaned. The light of an event shines light on what needs to be deep cleaned in our lives and relationships. This is an invitation. This is an invitation from God to really look at everything and say, what do we need to do to heal these things? Listen to your daughter. So She's you, shining God's grace into your Your life. next step is to humbly say to your daughter, I love you with all of my heart, and we want to heal this relationship. What do you need to see from us to know that you can trust your father and I to be more of a presence in your life? And then when she says it, I want you to go and do it. 
I'd also like you to get off the phone when, you, when, when you're done with this call and reach out to a good either local therapist or um, contact us at catholiccounselors.com to address both your husband's addictive personality and your own codependency that's blinding you from the opportunities to love that your daughter is presenting to you at this time in your life. Sherry, thank you for the call. I'm grateful that you were humble enough to call us. I hope that you'll have the humility to follow through with the suggestions that we're making here today. And we've certainly added your family to our More to Life prayer list. We've got to go to break. When we come back, we're continuing to take your calls about healing the disconnections in your life. We'll be joined by Tim Muldoon, who'll be sharing some insights about creating connections. Stick around for that and a whole lot more when More to Life continues after the break. If you've never been to EWTN's free family celebration, this is your year. Your EWTN family is waiting for you where it all began in Birmingham, Alabama. Join us Saturday, August 26th as we celebrate Mother Angelica's love for the Eucharist and mark the centennial year of Mother's birth. For more information on this free event, visit EWTN.com slash family celebration. We want to see you there. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And you're listening to the best of More to Life. Welcome back to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, and we're talking about creating connection today on More to Life. Joining us right now, Tim Muldoon. He is a theologian with Boston College, together with his wife, Sue. He's the author of several books, including Living Against the Grain. It's a terrific book about discernment, especially for young people, and it's a great graduation gift. Hint, hint. Check it out. That's Living Against the Grain. Tim, welcome to More to Life. Thank you. Great to be back with you guys. Yeah, it's good to talk with you again. So let's talk about this whole idea of creating connection. I mean, how can our faith Help us reframe the disconnects we feel in our relationships. Well, I appreciate that question, Greg, and and I was thinking about it just in light of your recent conversation, because a lot of times I think folks get to this question when they're in the midst of crisis, when they're facing difficulty in relationships. Um, And and that's a different question. But, you know, the question about how to 
reframe this connection is to ask, all right, well, um, in, in what way um, can I think about my relationships with others, my spouse, my, my children, my neighbors, um, as a, a gift that God gives us, a talent that God gives us? I think a lot of times we think about it in terms of what can I get out of this or, you know, what, what am I, um, you know, what, what's the benefit for me? Um, and, and I think the basic command to love the neighbor is, is a way to say, no, God is, is inviting me to a challenge. What do I actually need to do in order to build upon a relationship, even if it's a difficult one? And so in terms of that, you know, how do we begin to overcome those feelings of resistance or reluctance or, you know, I've got a lot of other stuff I want to deal with in my life. I don't want to have to deal with this relationship thing, too. How do, how do we kind of get over ourselves and use our faith to bridge those gaps then? Yeah, and well, Lisa, I think, pointed out very well uh, before the break, you know, that, that, that God's grace is, is there, you know, that, that when we are reaching out in love to anyone, I mean, whether it's somebody close in our life or whether it's the cranky neighbor down the street, uh, the, the desire to love someone is itself um, something that um, is an opportunity for grace. So I think we root ourselves in prayer. We always root ourselves in prayer and ask for the grace. How can I improve this relationship, God? How can I get over my feelings of resentment or my feelings of anxiety or, or even maybe the blind spots? You know, you were talking about codependency. Mm. You know, th- those are blind spots that, that, that we don't necessarily see them um, so, God, please give me your grace to, to help me understand that and, and to work in the direction of building a relationship. Or building so, Tim, that. I really want to hit this, though, because you're saying you're, you're talking about praying in a very specific way. I think when most of us pray about relationships, we either say, Lord, fix them, right? Or yeah. if we're feeling really generous, Thank we say, that. Lord, fix the relationship, right? But what you're really saying is, Lord, change me. Help me exactly. see what I can do differently to respond in a way that will glorify you work for their good help me be my best self in this situation teach me what to do so I can be an instrument of grace in this situation yeah and I think being as concrete as possible uh, is, is exactly the the right way to do it you know help me to have this conversation about you know taxes you know we had taxes come due um, you know help me to, to, to get over this hurdle um, of this event coming up, you know, whatever it is, it, it's really in, inviting some conversation with God, but and not, you know, letting ourselves be walked over, but but asking what is my side, the part that I can control, and to just bring that very concretely into prayer. Tim, really important, and so I thank you so much for being with us. And again, you're the author of several books, including Living Against the Grain, which is a terrific book about discernment, especially for young people, and an awesome graduation gift. Hint, hint, pick it up wherever books are sold. That's Living Against the Grain. Thanks again for being with us, Tim. And folks, we are taking your calls at 877-573-7825 about healing those disconnects in your life between you and the people you care most about. Let's talk it out and find some faithful answers. 877-573-7825. Back after this. Father Benedict Groeschel. Oh, I love reverence. Wherever I go in the world, I usually go to visit the religious buildings. And no matter what I see, I see reverence. Or I've been in temples and mosques where I saw more reverence and awe of God than I see in Christian churches, even sometimes in Catholic churches. Oh yes, let me say it. When I was a boy, Catholics were much more reverent and respectful in church. You never, ever spoke in church. I was a young priest. A man had a heart attack at the beginning of Mass. I stopped the Mass 
We prayed for the man. While the police were coming, the ambulance, they removed him from the church. He didn't die. Not one word was spoken. The police officers and the ambulance attendants who came whispered respect. I wish it were true today. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Americans are curious about the religious devotion of others and are willing to discuss the topic, but most say they rarely have conversations about faith with their Christian friends. A study by LifeWay Research finding Americans are widely receptive to spiritual conversations in a variety of settings. Now, perhaps more than ever, people are open to conversions about faith, yet few Christians actually, Christians, actually take the opportunity to engage in personal evangelism. The reason conversations are not happening about the Christian faith that Christians are not bringing it up. And I think this is key. Now, this person is not saying we shouldn't be concerned about religious liberty in the sense of, yes, there is great persecution out there. But at the end of the day, it is about the fact that we're not doing enough talking about Jesus. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And you're listening to the best of More to Life. Hi, I'm Lisa Popchak. Arguments about money are well known as one of the leading causes of divorce. But these arguments actually have very little to do with financial know-how. Rather, it's about the goals you and your spouse have for your finances and how you feel your money should be used. Here are four steps to managing money problems in your marriage. Step one, examine your conscience. Do your ideas about money line up with what the church teaches about money? Step two, pray about your finances together. Letting God enter into your financial decisions helps couples to act as a team instead of two opposing forces. Step three, use your problem-solving tools. Resolve to take care of your spouse through your money decisions. But use numbers to make decisions, not feelings. And step four, get professional help. You need access to right knowledge to make a sound financial decision for your family's future. See, talking about money doesn't have to be a negative experience. For more marriage guidance, visit us at moretoliferadio.com. Welcome back, folks. You are listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And today our show is titled Disconnected, as we talk about those struggles to connect with a loved one, maybe because we're struggling to see eye to eye on an issue, or a particular conflict or disagreement is making things tense. Maybe unforgiveness is poisoning the well, or a million other issues. It could be that are causing you and someone you love to not be able to be on the same page. We are here to help. The number is 877-573-7825. Let's talk now to our next listener to WTN Radio in Illinois. Hey there, listener. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Um, well, recently I just um, came and uh, I guess confessed to my wife, I don't know, maybe about 11 years ago or something I cheated a few times on her and um i'm just i'm like really surprised that she how she has taken it and um but i mean i can she's taking it well you're her. saying like 
I guess as well as anyone okay. in that position could take it. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's coming in waves. I think with sure. her. And I just how, how long ago did you tell to, her? Uh, um, I told her uh, two weeks ago. Okay. So. And what I mean, what prompted you to tell her now? I'm glad you did, by the way. And 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 it took a lot of well, courage to let guts to do that. But what 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 brought it up now? I mean, it's been on my heart ever since. Um, I mean, I did it, and mm-hmm. I just tried to bury it for a long time, and it's it's always been uh, a struggling point for me in our relationship like knowing that i did that to her and mm-hmm. um i think it's always kept like tension inside of me okay because i i never wanted to like have to hurt her like that mm-hmm. but uh and just to be clear you're not you you're not cheating on her now and, and you haven't cheated on no. her since then no okay and and you want to heal the relationship, but you're trying to ask, what, what what do you need to do next? Is that what you're calling about? Yeah, like, I'm trying to figure out how should I just just be there for support for her, or, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm trying to... I'm trying just to not just... know what to do. Okay, well, let me walk you through some thoughts here, okay? Um, there, there's, there's, there's a lot that can be done, um, and, and uh, I, you know, when you have this... Again, the kind of humility that you're willing to kind of call up and, well, first of all, admit what you've done and then and then seek resources, that's a big part of the healing process. So let me walk you through what needs to happen here. A lot of times when people cheat, they think that everything's going to be fine if I just stop the affair. Um, but what the affair points to is deeper problems, not necessarily in the marriage, but deeper problems inside myself, if I'm the cheater, right, Who that also impact the relationship. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just—I'm going to ask you. Actually, I want to ask you one question here before I go on. Generally speaking, how good are you at dealing with conflict, expressing emotions, and kind of being honest about what your needs are? I'm guessing that that's probably a kind of a struggle for you. Is—is is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. 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 I would say that I usually try and just um, try and do what's going to make everybody else happy. Yeah, you try to suck it up and just, you're going to do your best yeah. to, you know, yeah, okay, all right. And the reason I ask that, okay, is because in my experience, um, you, know, you know, lots of couples have problems, but not every couple cheats. And, and here's what the different factor there is. Generally speaking, the person who commits infidelity is somebody who's not really good at dealing with conflict, expressing their needs, or dealing with emotions. They do what you do. They, they kind of stuff it and try to go along and get along and make everybody happy. What happens in time is that when you do that you get depressed okay you start feeling disconnected from the people you're supposed to feel most connected to and you start feeling really lonely even though there are lots of other people around you or even though you have a wife who loves you with all of her heart and and you and you feel like I just I'm just so alone and I'm so sad and my needs aren't getting met I don't know what to do and then all of a sudden you find somebody that makes you laugh you know at church or the gym or whatever and you end up using that person in that relationship to medicate an undiagnosed depression. Uh, and that's what's really going on, right? So when you break off the affair, that relationship is gone. 
but all those issues that set up that relationship are still there. The fact that, you know, I don't know how to communicate my needs. I don't know how to deal effectively with conflict. I don't know how to, to be honest about my emotions and, and, and put up with or deal with the, you know, the, the conflict that can sometimes arise whenever I'm honest about all that stuff. And so the best way to move forward now that she knows about this relationship is double down on two fronts. Number one, putting more energy into building the relationship than you ever have before. And number two, getting the resources you need to, to start overcoming those tendency to stuff everything. Because as long as that exists, the, the, the chances are that you could cheat again are there, or at very least, the, that you would develop a depression that would affect your relationship and your general overall satisfaction with life and your marriage could also occur there. So, so you need to address those two fronts. I'd like you to do several things. First of all, I want you to find out about a program called Retrovi. It means rediscovery. If you call your local diocese uh, or even go to um, help, help our, helpourmarriage.com, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great retreat for couples who are going through issues in their relationship. And then there are six follow-up sessions as well. It's a great way to get the conversation started about healing in your marriage. It's not therapy. It's not meant to replace therapy. Um, you're probably going to still need to do some of that. But um, Re Retrovi is a wonderful program to get the conversation started. And they may still be doing some things virtually right now that you could start accessing right away. So that's number one. I want you to get in touch with Retrovi. Right? Um, secondly, I want you to find some good resources like our book, How to Heal Your Marriage and Nurture Lasting Love. And I want you and your wife to start reading through it together. That, that book is based on research um, that has discovered eight habits that healthy couples practice in their relationship and we talk about how any couple can learn to develop those habits um, in chapter three in particular we have a quiz that helps you sort of self-assess where do your what are your strengths what are those areas for growth and then you can kind of work through the book on your own going step by step to develop those skills that are missing so that you can heal the relationship um, so those are two things that I want you to focus on in terms of working on the marriage piece of it. And, and there's a lot more in there that you'll be able to springboard off of. In terms of your own personal stuff, I think it's going to be important for you to be getting some marriage-friendly counseling, both for yourself and the relationship. And, and when I say both, I don't mean you have to see a marriage counselor and an individual therapist. I mean, you go find a marriage-friendly therapist. That's an actual thing. I'm not, you know, it's a, there, 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 there are therapists and then there are marriage-friendly therapists who and basically work with the marriage in mind. And okay? it's, it's, it's specific training, too. So, you, you know, when you are inquiring about therapists, it's something that you interview them and ask them about yeah. so that you have somebody you can work with who will give you the best skills to heal your marriage. A marriage-friendly therapist is somebody who has training and supervision in marriage therapy. They're not just somebody who, who does marriage therapy as well as their individual practice. They've actually gotten training and supervision and experience in marital therapy. They have over a 90, those therapists have over a 90% success rate with marriage therapy. Individual therapists who also see couples have about a 30% success rate, all right? So the big difference. And I want you to work with that therapist, uh, both on yourself and the relationship so that you can learn to deal with conflict more effectively, express your emotions more honestly, uh, and express your needs uh, more directly because those things are what drove the infidelity in the first place. And I, I want to be clear here because, you know, Greg, you were saying that often if somebody hits a point of depression and they don't cope well with, you know, the stressors in their lives that 
and they are people pleasers especially, that this is one of the things that they can fall into. Even if you are not feeling depressed right now, and my sense is because you were strong enough to, to admit this to your wife, to stay with the marriage, that you might not be feeling depressed right now. You might actually be feeling really good and strong, and you're saying, oh, well, I'm not depressed. Greg's wrong about this. I don't need to deal with this. You do, because A, you need to heal the damage because your wife is now living 11 years ago in your past. Okay, and questioning everything that's happened the 11 years as, was this real? Was it truthful? Can I trust this? And you're in a honeymoon period right now, mm-hmm. because weirdly, um, for a lot of couples, when they first confess the affair, the marriage, the marriage immediately improves, because the, the other spouse knows that there's been something going on for a long time. They haven't known how to ask about it, and they're just relieved to know the truth. And then they also want to work to kind of like show you that I love you and try to get you back. Uh, and so there's a kind of a honeymoon period at first after that confession where it feels like everything's wonderful. I, I don't know what the, with how 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 can this be? Yeah, and, and, then, also and then it hits because, the fan. Yeah, and also because <laughs> she didn't blow up and walk out the door. The person who who did the cheating is thinking this is great and I can you know love better and be really romantic and you have this weird phase, but let's say even this weird phase lasts. Every single human being deals with down times in life for your own well-being as well as the well-being of your marriage. You want to get healthy coping skills so that you're not falling into infidelity again or substance abuse or some kind of self-harm. It's going to be really important just for your emotional and spiritual well-being for you to follow through with Greg's suggestions because it's going to help you and your marriage. So just to recap, Retrovi at HelpOurMarriage.com. Our book, How to Heal Your Marriage and Nurture Lasting Love. Start reading it together, going through the exercises with each other, and really walk through the quiz in Chapter 3 that will help you develop a plan for healing this relationship. And thirdly, I want you to to seek out a good marriage-friendly therapist, either in your area or through our practice at CatholicCounselors.com to start working on the individual uh, struggles with being honest about your emotions, being direct about your needs, and being comfortable dealing with conflict because those are the things that drive the emotional stuff that creates a wedge between you and your wife and can set you up for either infidelity again in the future or even uh, addiction issues or, or the other kinds of things that are unhealthy for you. So if you follow those three steps, that'll definitely get you way, pretty far down the road, and then you can keep working with uh, your, your counselor to develop the next steps from there. But healing is not only possible, uh, it, it's, it's, it actually can make it, it make a huge difference in the relationship. And, and I've talked to couples who would not wish the affair on their worst enemy but are so grateful for how God has blessed their marriage after the fact because of the work they've done to heal and connect in deeper ways than they ever have before. There's a lot of hope for you here, and I thank you for the call. 877-573-7825 is the number to call with your questions about healing the disconnects in your life. Again, that's 877-573-7825. As we head out to our break, it's time for our scripture of the day, which comes to us from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and have enough faith to move, remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have 
and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, we hear this passage and we think, ah, oh, wedding. <laughs> right? Yeah, sometimes okay. that's, true. that's true. And that's, that's true. But here's, here's why that passage is read at weddings. Because it, it goes to the whole idea of what I said at the very top of the show. To be a Christian disciple, to build the kingdom of God, is ultimately about healing our relationships, about loving better and creating connection where there wasn't connection. Building the kingdom of God, as St. Paul is pointing out right here, is not about doing big things for Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about healing the damage that sin does to our relationships. Because if we do those big things, but we don't have love, if we don't create connection, if we're not working to build intimacy through which the grace can flow to create the communion that we're destined to live in, we have nothing. And we're talking with you today about how to create that connection that's at the heart of the Christian message. Let's talk it out. 877-573-7825. More to Life will continue with your questions coming up after the break. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Have you ever wondered why your hair turns gray? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Proverbs 16 teaches us that gray hair is a crown of glory. According to NYU, we get gray hairs because some of our stem cells near the hair follicles get stuck as we age, so they lose their ability to mature and keep their color. Someday, researchers may be able to find a way to reverse these stuck stem cells and turn the hair color switch back on. For now, the upside to having some gray, well, it can make us look wise. I'm not sure that works in my case. Just ask my wife. Another upside, too, the average cost of hair coloring at a salon is $75 to $200 plus each time. Think of the savings over time. Yes, it's good to have gray or white hair. Just ask anyone who's bald. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on gray hair and this study at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renew Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Want more tips for living a more joyful, abundant life through the gift of the theology of the body? Well, and follow us on Facebook at More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa and on Twitter and Instagram at Catholic Counselors. We'll see you there. Welcome back. We're so glad to be with you today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, and today we're taking your calls on the disconnections between you and the people you care about. Let's talk about how to heal those wounds at 
888-528-7825. We're talking now with Steve, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Iowa. Hey, Steve. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on? Well, thank you for taking my call. I had, um, I, uh, I've been married uh, to my wife for uh, going on about 34 years, and okay. we have five beautiful kids, and I'll make this long story as short as possible. So, um, typical marriage, lots of ups, lots of downs, lots of joy, lots of sorrow. Uh, I, uh, I'm self-employed and have been since we've been married. And um, I have had a couple of my businesses uh, over the time of being married. I've had a couple of them uh, fail. Uh, we've had plenty of success, but, you know, yes, you, you sometimes you know, things just don't go right and they fail. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the businesses that failed, uh, we had to file bankruptcy. And... Uh, before we did that, I, I kind of, I, I was uh, not honest with my wife, and I did not really keep her in the loop when it came to the health of the business and the financial health of, of us personally, mm-hmm. and basically just didn't tell her until yeah. it was, you know, too late. And and you know, I I guess my I guess my reason for not telling her was uh was very selfish i i i first thought i could probably just work my way out of financial trouble which uh, i you know i've done in the past you know things start looking down in sales or profitability or whatever it is you know i mm-hmm. i could bury my you know bury my nose to the grindstone and you, you were you were ashamed and you and you wanted to fix it yourself you didn't want to go to her and tell her that sure. it wasn't i get it okay and, and i think it, it for the duration of my marriage, it, it for, for whatever reason, God put this in my soul or in my heart, I've just always been driven to want to take care of my family. And by taking care, that meant, you know, making sure they're healthy, making sure, you know, they're safe and that stuff. But it also meant that I, I just did my best to try not to, in, you know, uh, impose any sorrow or worry on them. And so I, it seems like a lame excuse answer, but it's mm. the truth. I get you. I just, so it, it says you told oh, our screener, though, that, that your, your wife, it, it says you told our screener that, that, you, that your wife forgives you but isn't forgetting, so you're not sure that she's actually forgiven you. Is, is that what you're asking about, though? How can we help you today? Yeah, and, and so, so that's been almost 10, 15 years ago. And and I it, it actually ended up I I had kind of a of a mental situation where I had to when I tell people that ask or that no I tell people I had to go on vacation for about a week and and just kind of get my mind straight because uh, I was so wrecked over this and and everything's come out fine we're married and our family has survived and you know. God's given us all the tools to survive, and you know we didn't end up living in tents or boxes or things like that. Everybody's happy and healthy, but it it has a, still has an, a lasting effect on our marriage, and uh, you know, uh, and I I have done every and and we talked after that a lot and during it and after it, 
And, you know, I made a promise to her that, you know, I would keep her included on, you know, anything, you know, all the business decisions or anything, you know, I felt would, would, you know, be good or bad for our business. And, uh, and, you know, but it, it still keeps getting brought up at various times, mm-hmm. just kind of, okay. Know, so let me let me tell you what that's about and, and what to do with it. Yeah. Well, let me let me tell you what to do about that. So, so this is this is a relationship suffers a trauma, and this was a trauma. Okay. Whether that trauma is, you know, this kind of business failure and and the kind of the mental health stuff that fell out from that, or an infidelity, uh, or or any other significant betrayal. Um, what what tends to happen is that you get a little bit of PTSD about this in the relationship, in a sense. Okay, for those who aren't familiar with that, it's post traumatic stress disorder. So we mostly think about it through people who have had really intense physical trauma or some kind of abuse. But it can happen whenever your whole world gets shaken and what you believe is your reality that you trust day in and day out gets shifted in some way that makes you say okay, this reminds me of that time, or can I trust this person on this? Because it's just left a mark. Well, and it's more than just it reminds me of this time. It's that when something happens in the present that sort of reminds me of that time, mm-hmm. I go back in time. Yeah, you kind of and I start reassociate right into right? it. Sure, that's a good um, way to put it. And so what's happening, Steve, is that there's something going on in the present, and it could be a completely benign thing. But there's something going on in the present that makes your wife's right brain, because the way the right brain works is it makes associations between stuff that's going on now and stuff that went on in the past, and it tries to make those connections so that it can say, you know, that happened back then, this is sort of like that, just act the same way. And and I have to be clear on this, sometimes it has to do with, you know, the person, let's, let's be specific to you, your wife may be saying, wow, okay, well, Steve's sort of acting the way he did just before he told me about this or just the way he did after. But it could also be she's having a really off day or something's making her feel insecure because she's going through something physically or emotionally and it's just bringing her back to that point and it's looking for a place to say, well, what can I blame this on? And she has that experience again. So sometimes perfectly justified. Other times it's arbitrary, but it still brings her right back into that question because she's feeling the same way. And so it's okay to say to her, you know, listen, I know that was a really rough time for us and I'm so sorry that that happened. But then I want you to pivot, all right? And I want you to say, but I think something's going on now that brought that up for you. And I'm happy, look, if we need to talk about back then again, I'm here for you, we can talk about it. But I, but, I, I, but I really feel like something's going on now that's making you think about that time, whether it's something that I did or something that's going on in our lives or something that happened to you that's making you feel sort of like you felt back then. And, and I'd, I really want to help you address whatever's going on now in our lives that will help you solve whatever you know, this is bring, bring, is bringing that back up because it's not a it's not when she brings it up so many years later, it's not really about what happened way back then. And it's not an attack on you necessarily. It's just that she really needs to be reassured for in reality that it's not going to happen again and it's not in the process of happening again. So when she brings it up, just ask her, honey, you know, I know that there must be something that's going on now, either in my in my behavior, our relationship or your life that's making you think about that. 
what's going on and how can we deal with that together? Yeah, and don't take it as an attack. Take it as an invitation to go deeper and get closer and bring more healing to what happened in the past. Start there, and if you find that you need some more support, check out How to Heal Your Marriage and Nurture Lasting Love. I think it'll take you to the next level. Thanks so much for the call. we got to go. Thanks for listening, and check out CatholicCounselors.com for more resources. You're listening to More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek. More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Dan McGraw. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net.